0: is the smart kid of yours. To the boys and girls of Barack Obama Charter School, past, present, and especially future, travel often and read tons of books. Introduction. I have this really bad habit that I'm trying to shake. Every morning when I wake up, there's this strong gravitational pull between my hand and my phone. For no apparent reason at all, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. There are usually a few messages from one of my brothers, but none of these messages ever require urgent attention. Then I check my Facebook page. The action there is pretty slow. I scroll down the page looking for something juicy. Then I refresh just in case something happened within the past 27 seconds. You never know. Instagram is a little more exciting. I enjoy looking at the lives others paint for themselves. Knowing clearly it's all a charade, it's entertaining nonetheless. Of course, I have to review my Instagram activity from the day before. What did I post? Who liked it? Who commented? This was my morning routine without fail. Here's the crazy thing. My wife would randomly wake up in a bad mood. Sometimes I would ask her, what's wrong? And I knew I wasn't getting the real answer. Finally, one day she revealed the real reason. She didn't like how the first thing I did when I woke up, even before speaking to her, was grab my phone and engage in social media. Now, of course, I love my wife more than I love my phone, so it was an easy decision to start working on killing the habit that was causing strife in our relationship. It's funny, you never know something is a problem until you know that it's a problem. Parenting is the same way. You don't know that a particular cultural parenting tendency is damaging to your child's future until you have new information that suggests as much. When you have a baby, there's no manual that comes along with the beautiful, screaming, slimy mammal. We are animals, and animals raise their young off of instinct and learned behavior. More than likely, you will raise your children similar to how your parents raised you. In reading this book, you will have an opportunity to rethink your parenting practices and adopt behaviors that have been known to lead to high-achieving students. One thing I've learned in teaching over a thousand students and meeting with their parents is that every parent wants their child to be the smart kid. Parents usually are not intentionally setting their children up for academic failure. Sure, I've met parents who cursed at their nine-year-olds and have never taken a family trip to the library, but for the most part, this was a result of ignorance, not apathy. You see, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. One thing smart people do is they learn from people who have been successful in specific areas. If you want to be a better home chef, you watch a cooking channel, or you might watch your grandmother in the kitchen. If you want to lose weight, you probably talk to your cousin who sticks to a disciplined diet and exercise routine. If you want to raise smart kids who do well academically, investigate what those kids' parents are doing. I talk to those parents. Black, white, American, foreign, wealthy, low-income, they covered all sectors of humanity. What I found was that these parents share common practices that contribute to their children experiencing success in the classroom. First, their children are the number one priority. These parents will not only tell you that the child's well-being and future opportunities are more important than the parent's present comfort, But their actions show it. One parent I talked to told me how his father used to walk a couple extra miles to work to save the bus fare. With the extra few dollars, he could buy ice cream for his children. The sacrifices generally aren't that drastic, but these parents are willing to give up practically everything to ensure their kids' success. They give up higher paying jobs. They distance themselves from toxic family members. They stop partying in order to spend more time with their children. They go without name brand shoes and pass on $4 cups of coffee. You will have to be honest with yourself and decide what you are willing to sacrifice in order to give your baby an opportunity to be the smart kid. Second, they are meticulous with time management. One thing that sort of puts us all at a level playing field is that we have the same 24 hours in a day to do what we decide to do. The smart kids' parents meticulously plan out these hours to make sure they are spending quality time with their children. We may need a whole different book to explain what quality time is. I will discuss in Chapter 2 what kind of activities parents are doing with their children and how being present in the kid's life contributes to success in the classroom. It's no secret that children of single-parent homes are at a disadvantage. It's tough to be present for your child when you have no help. But I don't want single parents to feel like all is lost. Dr. Ben Carson, one of the world's leading brain surgeons for 25 years, was raised by a single poor African-American mother in Detroit. Single parents, you have an opportunity to be real heroes. The road will not be easy, but if hero work were effortless, everyone would be a hero. Third, they focus less on elementary school grades and more on character and work habits and studying the thousands of students in my classrooms and reading the stories of dozens of successful people, I've come to the following conclusion. Above anything else, there are two things that determine an individual's success in this world, their character and their work habits. You may be surprised in chapter three when I tell you that the smart kid's parents are not alarmed when her fourth grader brings home a C in math. The parent is appalled, however, when little Jimmy's teacher complains about his disrespect in the classroom and detention. The low math grade simply means he hasn't grasped the concept yet. The detention means that his character is getting in the way of his education, and we already know how difficult it is to break bad habits. Fourth, and finally, they intentionally develop their children's confidence. Do you know the difference between a professional basketball player and a great professional basketball player? confidence. Look, Kobe Bryant wasn't that much better than his competition. The thing that put him over the top was the immense confidence he had in himself. He took and made shots that others could probably make, but were not willing to try. Where did the confidence come from? Previous success breeds confidence. Smart kids' parents build that confidence in their children. They allow them to have small wins so that the kids experience success and feel confident that they can take on bigger tasks. These parents never put their kids down with demeaning insults. They don't show them up in front of other family members. Young people's minds, and older people's too for that matter, are fragile and can easily be shaped. One thing you will notice about this book is it's not very long. That is because raising smart kids is not complicated. It's just hard to do. We all know if you wanna lose weight, you eat less and exercise more. It's really not rocket science, but it's very difficult to put down the donuts. As I'm writing this, I'm contemplating a Krispy Kreme run before the hot light is turned off. I know I shouldn't, but it's hard. I will give you the best and honest information that I have, but I can't do the stuff for you. That will be your job. Now, a final word before we begin. I believe in God, and I believe there are God-given talents. Some are born with more athletic ability than others. I will never dunk a basketball, no matter how hard I try. However, I can shoot a basketball and I can pass it pretty accurately. Intelligence is no different. People have varying levels of intelligence. Not everyone is able to grasp the concepts that allow a rocket to be launched into space. Your child's intellectual gifts may be different. I want you to know that he or she does have intellectual gifts. It is your job, moms and dads, to do all that is in your power to give your baby an opportunity to develop those gifts. Chapter 1. Number 1 Priority Quote, Don't limit your child to your own learning, for he was born in another time. Quote by Rabindranath Tagore. We live about a seven-minute drive from Redondo Beach, a small beach city in Los Angeles County. One of our favorite things to do as a family is walk along the mile-long, elevated stretch along the beach, just before sunset. The views are astonishing. From above, you can see much more of the ocean and the hills of Palos Verdes complement the sea perfectly. The climax is watching the sun dip below the water and then quickly disappear. I guess there is an unwritten rule. You aren't allowed to walk this path without a dog. Everyone has one, except us. We are usually the only ones there walking our two little children. One evening, we were walking and discussing why it seemed that not too many people had children but instead had dogs sometimes multiple dogs we were throwing around different ideas or possible explanation maybe kids are too expensive dogs are trendier right now could it be that dogs are better behaved than kids the dogs listen better than our kids that's for sure maybe it's a good thing they don't have kids wife said You don't want to bring babies into this world until you're 100% sure you're ready for the sacrifice. Yes, yes, I agreed. One thing that makes us different from animals is that animals act out of instinct. Animals don't weigh the pros and cons of their actions like we do or like we're supposed to do. When two rabbits are ready to mate, they just do it. The mommy rabbit isn't thinking, "Uh, can we afford to raise these babies? I'm not sure. I'm ready for this right now. I'm still young. You know, we are the civilized and thoughtful creatures who have the ability to contemplate and decide for or against, but that doesn't mean we always do contemplate and decide. Sometimes we behave like the bunnies and just do it. Raising smart kids starts before the child is even born. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the second habit that he says successful people have is that they begin with the end in mind. They start something with an idea of how they want it to turn out, and they have a plan to make that happen. It may not always turn out exactly as they envisioned it, but there is at least an intentional act with the preferred outcome in mind. Parents really should be thinking about the end result, even before the baby is conceived. Parents who plan to have children and understand the sacrifices they will have to make are better prepared to make those sacrifices. The child is a choice, not an inconvenience. You generally do a better job at a task that you sign up for, that you are passionate about, rather than a task that is assigned to you. Consider these two scenarios. Child A. Both parents decide they are ready to have a child. They are both willing parents. They determine that financially they are able to support the growing family They understand that their time with friends and leisure will be drastically cut. They have nine months to prepare and welcome the new life into this world together. Child B. The pregnancy comes as a surprise. It shouldn't, if either has taken a basic biology class. Neither parent is ready to fully commit to being a parent. However, one parent is more accepting of keeping the baby than the other. The baby arrives amid mixed emotions as both parents know that the new life will cause strain and pain in their lives. Child A has the advantage of parents who will more than likely make the sacrifices necessary to give him or her a chance of being the smart kid. Child B is born into a dysfunctional situation. The parents of child B are likely to put their desires and comfort above the needs of the child and could possibly disappear from the child's life altogether. Nine out of ten of the parents of smart kids who I interviewed for this book said that their children were raised by both biological parents. It makes sense that kids who are raised by both parents living in the same home are more likely to be successful in the classroom. Children who are raised by both biological parents enjoy better mental and emotional health and are more likely to go to college. Now, of course, this doesn't mean children of single parents are doomed, Dr. Ben Carson often talks about how vital his mother's huge sacrifices and guidance were to his success. Single parents don't throw in the towel because of a stupid statistic. Understand that your child is at a disadvantage in comparison to children who have both parents at home, and this means you may have to be even more vigilant in helping your child become the smart kid. I was curious to find out when parents of smart kids first sent their babies to daycare or preschool. Science and common sense agree that newborns should spend as much time with their mothers as possible. Babies and mothers benefit from nursing and the bonding opportunity that it provides. Think about it. Do you think a six-month-old is going to get the same dedicated care from a babysitter as she would at home with mom? Will the baby be fed with as much love and care? Will the daycare provider take the time to speak to the baby, hold her when she yearns for comfort, Be there to change her before a rash has an opportunity to develop? Really, who knows what's happening at daycare? Mom isn't there, and baby can't tell you how her day was. The provider will only say, well, we'll keep the paychecks coming, right? And so I asked parents of smart kids, when did they first send their kids to daycare? I found that practically all of the parents kept their kids at home until the age of two. Many had their kids at home even up to three years old. No mother really wants to leave her baby. Moms usually have to figure out what to do with their newborns because their families count on the income that mom can bring. Sometimes it's a difficult decision. But often there's no decision at all. Mom must work. Otherwise the family doesn't eat. But I caution against mothers going to work too soon simply because they want to feel productive. In our current culture, mothers are looked down upon for working inside the home instead of outside the home. They often hear questions like, what do you do at home all day? It is your job, moms, to ignore that negative sentiment and think about what is best for your child in the long term. Consider if your family is truly dependent on the income you bring. If not, it may be a good idea to wait a couple of years before going back to work. Money comes and goes, but the time you get to spend with your baby in those early years will never return. I travel a lot for leisure, and one of the things I love to do in a new country is go to a crowded area like a shopping mall, grab a drink, and just watch people. It might sound a little creepy, but I love seeing how people interact with each other and how similar yet different we are. I was in London one summer on a long layover, and so I decided to leave the airport. I went to a busy, open-air market, grabbed a bite to eat. I sat and watched. I noticed a family of three— It was a mother and two young children. The youngest was about two years old and he was throwing a tantrum like most kids do. If your two-year-old doesn't have tantrums, you should be worried. (laughs) So I'm watching, wondering what mom was going to do. What caught my attention, however, is what his sister, who was a few years older, did. She snapped. I am not proud of your behavior. Now, as funny as it was, I was impressed. She has such an advanced vocabulary for her age, I thought. You've all heard kids whose speech suggests they're older than they actually are. When you do, you probably have the same reaction that I did. But it should be noted that this doesn't happen by accident. These children do not just miraculously learn these words and phrases. Four-year-olds aren't scouring the dictionary for words. First Five California is a website. Stresses how a child's first five years are vital in making sure they have a shot at being successful later in life. The organization states on its website that, quote, the first three years of a child's life are the most critical for speech and language development, because the brain is best able to absorb language during this period. That's why it's important to talk, listen, read, sing, and play games with young children. And help teach the important language skills that will last a lifetime. End of quote. The results from simply speaking and listening to your baby are amazing. Read to them even before they understand the words. Listen to them speak even when you don't understand their words. Look them in the eyes and communicate verbally and non-verbally. Parents of smart kids will often tell you that they started reading to their kids before the age of six months. It sounds fairly simple, but there's a reason why many parents fail to provide this essential one-on-one attention to their young ones. It requires that the TV be turned off. You can't text and talk to your baby at the same time. You can't be on the phone and reading to your one-year-old simultaneously. Making sure your children get the attention they need at such an early age requires deliberate action. When you decide that your child is your number one priority, The decision to tune everything out and focus on your baby becomes a no-brainer. Now, of course, you have other responsibilities. You have to eat, shower, clean the home, and sometimes work outside of the home. Don't feel like you have to be there 24 hours a day for your child, but for 10 minutes, sit with your 3-year-old who's playing with his dinosaurs and have a conversation with him about which ones he likes and why. Tell him which one is your favorite. Teach him something about the t rex If the phone rings during these 10 minutes, ignore it. Every night before tucking your baby in the crib for the night, read her a short story or sing a nursery rhyme. As she gets older, these stories will become longer and more engaging. When driving to grandma's house, music doesn't need to be playing all the time. Turn it off and have conversations. You will be surprised by the things they want to talk about. Remember, there is no easy path to anywhere worth going. If the smart kid is going to be yours, the journey will not be effortless. Once you determine that your children are your number one priority, you will decide what you're willing to give so that they have the greatest chance of success in the classroom. That is a true illustration of sacrifice. To surrender something desirable for the sake of something that is considered more important. Now you're probably worried that you can't have a life if you're going to have the smart kid. Well, that's not exactly true. You can have a wonderful life raising the smart kid. In fact, your life may be more fulfilling and content in the short and long term. In the next chapter, you will discover that the smart kid's parents are very meticulous in managing their time. They understand that a stressed and beaten parent is detrimental to the parent and child. Thank you for listening to the audio reading of Is the Smart Kid Yours?, In the next episode, we will cover chapter two and three. Chapter two covers time management. And chapter three is developing character and work habits. See you soon.